I, I rolled up to the time slip booth and, and the guy's like, look in my car all over real hard. And I'm like, you know, what's leaking, what's wrong. <laughs> you know, do I got like my tire fall off. Like what's going, what's he looking at? And so he hands me the slip and he says, all right, he goes, uh, you know, pull up to the scale. So I pull up to the scale and, you know, they hand me my fuel thing and they said, you got the decal. And I like, what decal? They said the right on decal. I go, you ran dead on with a zero. It's time for Class Racing Today, the podcast for the NHRA Class Racing fan. Welcome back to another episode of Class Racing Today, classracingtoday.com, classracingtoday at gmail.com. If you have any questions or comments or want to help support the show, get in there as a sponsor, send us a note and we'll get back to you and get that uh, all lined up. Uh, Also, if you want a shirt, a sticker classracingtoday at gmail.com as well. Bobby and Brian, uh, I mean, Bobby's still, I think, on a high from from last week. So, um, what, uh, Brian, you're, ba- you're back in studio live. This is our second week in a row. Uh, back to, back on the, <laughs> to the grind, I guess. Um, what's going on in, uh, in, in the world of uh, Brian right now? I heard something about your car. Yeah, hopefully this weekend we're going to make some progress and tearing it apart and seeing what we got to work with so hopefully my plans work and life stays out of the way for a couple days and we'll be good (laughs) awesome we had a our midwest class racers make-a-wish race was this weekend and it's the first one i missed in three years and everybody's probably sick of me uh texting and trying to get the updates because i wasn't there it's just a really cool program they've for the last what is it? Five years now. They've been able to do two races a year or two make a wish. You know, they basically make a kid's wish come true. That's fighting cancer or whatever. And they've been able to do two wishes a year, grant them from the money they make off this race at $7,500 a race. Hmm. So it's really cool. Um, they used to have all the kids would come out and you can take them for rides in the car. Now with the COVID, whatever's still happening that that hasn't happened now in two years, but it was still cool that I think they had almost 51 cars show up. Um, I decided to put a bounty on last year's winners. So Chris Kennedy took out Jason DeForest, I think at about round three or four on Saturday. So he got the bounty money on that. And then Sunday, Kevin Leinart took out Brian Gross, who was last year's winner. So they picked up the my uh, entry fee since I wasn't able to come. So that was pretty cool to be part of that. Um, Saturday, Doug Ingalls ended up winning. Uh, took out Kevin Leinart in the final. Both good friends of mine, really good drivers. So that was pretty cool. The Doug and his Chevy too, super stalker. Um, Sunday, Todd Bergeson took out Jason DeForest in the final, and I think it was like eight ten thou was the uh, margin of victory. So that was a really cool race. And Todd has a white Chevy too, too. So it was the uh, weekend of the Chevy twos down in Marion, South Dakota. That's cool. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, it was pretty cool. Like I said, Chris Kennedy took out Jason, and then Kevin Leinard actually took out Ryan Gross on Sunday for the for the bounty money. I actually said I like the bounties where if the guy you're trying to take out wins, he gets the money too. So that was – sorry, Jason and Brian. I wasn't trying to get you beat, but I just thought it would make it interesting. So, <laughs> Bobby, what did you do this weekend? What did I do this weekend? I watched racing on NHRA TV. So there was another, there was a national open at my home track, but I just couldn't 
we were burnt out. We went to Maple Grove from Maple Grove. We went to Indy from Indy. We came back to Maple Grove for the national event. And then to just do it for a fourth week in a row and then possibly a fifth week in a row. Cause Virginia double is this weekend. I was just like, dude, we got to take a break. I need to, I need to go home and see what's going on there. If I still have the home, if I'm still welcome in the home. <laughs> and fortunately I was, and that's where I am now. Other than that, not much going on here. That's good. You get your honeydew list caught up then. Yes. I know. Goodness. She got one of them robot vacuum cleaners. I got that thing cruising all around the house. That saves me that that effort right there. Well, you know, you could probably like have- a robot crew chief and a robot like, you know, engine builder and, and I'll be set. You know, you win one race, supposed to be getting in that contingency money now if you can afford the fancy things in life like a Roomba vacuum now with all your winnings. <laughs> that was actually a wedding present, believe it or not. <laughs> Thanks, Eddie. Appreciate it. You're getting married. You shouldn't have to have a Roomba vacuum anymore, should you? God, I, oh, <laughs> oh, easy. Oh, that's awful. Uh-huh. And on that note, and on that note, let's uh, introduce, by the way, I do like the fact that the Chevy twos won this weekend. I'm, I'm a Ford guy, but I love the 66 Chevy two with a 283 in it. That's probably my favorite uh, car by Chevrolet, especially when they're stick shifts, which I, I saw uh, uh, Rochelle T. Bear is driving one now. Like a super stock O stick. Uh, She's actually, uh, she, from what I understand, is driving Gene Vickelmeyer's old car. So the car's got a little history and been around the world. And she's uh, in there thrashing gears and picking up on that pretty quick, from what I hear. Yeah, I saw a video. She, man, that thing sounded good. And it uh, looks like she's driving pretty, pretty well, too. So I'm sure she'll be like, going around in that thing pretty, pretty darn soon. I've told that story a hundred times, but the first round ever, first time I ever pulled up staging and super stock or stock combo was against that car. And I was all nervous and I'm watching the lights and all of a sudden this insane noise came from the left of me. And Gene was cool. Cause you're sitting there and all of a sudden you hear is wow, 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 just wide open all the RPM. I'm like, does he just have an on switch? Like you just flip a switch and it goes to full RPM when he launches that thing. Cause I didn't even realize my tree was turning when I heard all the noise coming from over there. It was a qualifying, but I'll just never forget that sound. Like, holy crap, what's happening? It was uh, really intimidating. <laughs> you should hear it when you're inside the car. Even yeah. better. Uh, but today we have an, an awesome guest, a gentleman who just got his first national event win. Uh, he's actually been in a couple finals this year. Uh, so, sorry to interrupt, Bobby, but um, you kind of got talked about last week on the show. So are we just rehashing that again or what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Sorry. He's talking about himself in third person. <laughs> right. <laughs> I know, right? Sorry. I was like, what? Yeah. Isn't this amazing? All these first time winners. It's crazy. Loving I it. love it. Loving it. That's our job. Our job is to keep the people that win all the time from winning. That's that's what we do. Um so, yes, we do. He has an M-Stock Automatic 1980 Chevy Malibu doing it in the slow car. I love that just as much. I mean, if you put a stick shift in it, he'd probably be my favorite racer of all time. But we'll get to that later. 
Mr. Tim Stickles. Tim, how you doing, buddy? Good. Good. How are you? Good morning. So, Tim, you <clears throat> are uh, coming off of your awesome win down in, in Z-Max Dragway, down in Concord, North Carolina, national event. And you are already, you know, in line for another race. I mean, you don't take any any breaks. Like, I feel like a schmuck right now, but you are just <laughs> cruising this race to that race to this race to that race. So uh, where are you at right now? Tell us, tell us what you're doing. So we left uh, Charlotte yesterday and uh, just headed straight to Virginia. It was only three and a half hours. So, um, you know, for me living in New Hampshire, I live 20 minutes from, from Epping. So it just makes sense to kind of, you know, make this trip a three week trip. Uh, you know, it, it, the amount of traveling that would it take to come back and forth from New Hampshire would just be crazy. So, uh, you know, my dad's retired, so it, it just makes it uh, a little bit easier for traveling wise. Now, Tim, uh, what do you do when you're not racing? What's your, what's your profession? Uh, so I own a, a seamless gutter business. Um, I've got a couple of great guys that work for me. Um, they do a good job. I've got, uh, an office, um, a secretary plus, you know, she does a lot of my, uh, my estimating and my quoting for me. So it makes it a little bit more lenient for me to be able to kind of travel around and, and do this stuff. Um, it, you know, it is hard because I feel like I'm missing a lot, especially, you know, I'm away from my family. I've got a, my, I just missed my daughter's birthday last week. She turned four. So, you know, she, they get it, but um, you know, it does it. It's easier being self-employed. I think being able to do this amount of traveling than, than anything else. And that's kind of really the reason why I went into uh, doing it. I mean, I was a firefighter for 15 years and um, you know, I knew that drag racing was something that I really wanted to pursue and it's hard to get time off and, and do the swaps and, and trying to beg, borrow or steal for time off. And, you know, so I just figured, you know, I started, I was working uh, for a gentleman and, you know, started to kind of, I never did gutters before and got into it and figured actually kind of really liked it. So um, a couple of years later, I, I just decided to start my own thing. And uh, I actually recently just, just bought out his business. He got out of it and he owns another business. So uh, I acquired all his, his equipment, inventory and all that stuff. So, um, but yeah, like I said, I, I've got a really good crew at home and, and they really make it so I can, I can do this. Excellent. That's great. Yeah. The self-employed, you know, definitely helps, but it's, you know, if you're not working, you're not making money either. So it's like, you're not, you're not getting paid time off. Now, fortunately mm -hmm. for you, you got, you know, you have some help there with the employees taking care of things. So that's, that's great. So Tim, tell us a little bit about like, how'd you get into racing? How'd you get into these? I mean, you love these, uh, low class cars. I've seen you in your Malibu. I've seen you in you know, Patrick Downing's wagon this year. I, I thought I saw you in another Malibu unless I was just crazy, but I thought I saw you in three different cars this year. So <laughs> give us a little background on, on what's, you know, what got you into racing. So, um, you know, growing up, um, when, when I was small, my father had a 69 Cheval wagon. That was his first race car that he ever bought. He bought it from Eddie Chin. Uh, and I believe it was a Tom Tarot's car, which I, I think was a, I don't know, Midwest car. I, I'm not really sure where it came from, but, um, 69 Cheval wagon, L stock automatic. And that was his first, uh, leap into stock eliminator and class racing. And, 
um, you know, I grew up with that car and, and, you know, Steve Coltrera painted the car and it was just, it was always just kind of a staple in my mind. And, and, you know, he, he ended up selling the car when I was fairly little, I think I was six or seven. And, uh, you know, he sold the car, Joe DiMarzo bought the car actually. And, um, he bought this, this Malibu that we have now in, uh, 1990 and took it home. It was a, you know, little old lady, 50,000 mile original car, really good shape. Um, started taking it apart and, and did a, you know, basically frame off type build on it. And, um, but, uh, you know, it took, it took 11 years to build the car because it, you know, I was so heavy into baseball and everything else at the time I was teens and, and, you know, we were traveling doing that, but, um, but yeah, he started with the Chevelle and, and, you know, he was, you know, one of the original all-star racing association members. And, um, then he sold it and back in, 2012 I believe it was uh he was kind of ready to hang it up and and I said well you know I'd like to try you know actually at 2002 I'm sorry that was he built the car in 2000 and in 2002 I said let me you know I'd like to try so we went over on an October day and I got in it and just a test and tune at Epping and did everything possibly wrong I could do in the car and you know I said yeah this is it this is what I want to do so um, you know, at the time I, I had a, a custom motorcycle that I was into and I sold that and actually traded it for the, uh, the Dodge Aspen that I had. And we completely rebuilt that. And that was, that was my first stalker. Oh, and Mopar. Brian likes yeah. those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That car went to Indy. Uh, uh, Dale Massengill has that car now out in Indianapolis. It was at Indy this year and he runs that race every year. And, and, uh, so it was a, you know, beautiful car. We completely rebuilt it and painted it and did all that stuff. And, and then, uh, you know, you start realizing how expensive Chrysler parts are compared to Chevy parts. And I said, well, you know, we got the Malibu and, uh, no sense having two stalkers. So we got rid of that and bought a super stalker and, and, uh, you know, we kind of dabbled with, we attempt to run two cars. It seems like every time we try to bring two cars out, one's either broken or, you know, it's just, it's tough, you know that, but, uh, um, but the, the Malibu has always just been tried and true and it's, it's kind of the family car. So my best friend in high school had an Aspen and it was funny cause whatever, 1979, he built a 360 and put a cam in it and he's like, Oh man, this is last of the muscle cars. And I'm like, yeah, this is like a grandchild of the last of the muscle cars. This isn't a muscle car. Like, <laughs> But they were, they probably make a great combo. You know, there's just not a lot out. So they're, I don't know how they worked as a race car or not, but they, I was, well, wondering, how do you go from like Cudas and Challengers and Chargers and Roadrunners to an Aspen? <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's funny because the only reason why I really got into the Aspen was because the guy was willing to trade me for my motorcycle. I tried to sell it and nobody, it was, you know, it was a custom chopper that was, you know, the, craze back then and and just i couldn't get rid of it and so this guy up in uh poughkeepsie new york was willing to trade and um when we brought the car home it actually was uh said steel city missile on the side of it and it was a companion car to steve benio's duster that a friend of his had built and uh you know it was pretty ratty it hadn't been touched in probably 20 years and it, it was sitting in the basement at one time i heard and um but you know 
it was a great car. It was a beautiful car. Um, problem was, you know, it ran FG and H and, and it was a 289 combo compared to the, you know, the Novas are all 280. So running with those guys with nine more horsepower. And really, I don't think the 360 was all that. It, it's a great motor, but I think it could have had some horsepower taken off, but just uh, wasn't meant to be. <laughs> did you have any success when you first started or did it take a long grinding process um, to get? Believe it or not, uh, the, the only race I ever won was the day I sold it uh, to Dale that we kind of made the deal over the phone. It was sold. And uh, that, that particular weekend, we were at an all-star race at uh, Epping and I lost first round and then we did a gambler's race that night, stock superstar gambler's race. And I ended up winning that. So the one and only, uh, you know, I guess you can call it a win, I guess, but that was it. And then a week later it was gone. <laughs> and then you went to the dark side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And believe it or not, uh, the reason why we decided to sell it too, is because, um, you know, we had broken the car, uh, and dad's car was, you know, the Malibu was pretty much almost ready to go. It had kind of been sitting. So we threw it together and I started running. This is in 2012. I just started running it because it, the Aspen broke and, um, we were running the all-stars and, and I kept going rounds, started going rounds and, and, uh, we ended up missing the, winning the championship by one point. So we, that's kind of when we decided, you know what, everybody said, man, you, you do, you do, you do a good job in that car. You should just stick with that car. And I said, yeah, you're probably right. So that's when we, you know, I said, let's get rid of the Chrysler and we'll stick with the Malibu. Now, did you guys do your own motors, transmissions, that kind of stuff always have, or, uh, Leon Moranian does our trannies. Um, we've never really done much with the trannies ourselves. Um, and then, uh, we used to assemble all of our own motors and stuff. Uh, Tommy Boucher does our, our, all our machining and everything. And, uh, last year we ended up wiping out two cams and, you know, we just had a really terrible year last year. And I finally just said, you know what, let's just, uh, we gave the motor to Tommy over the winter. And, and I said, I want you to, you know, we new pistons, let's, let's update it, freshen it up when it's ready to go on the dyno, let me know. And, you know, it's the first time that, that my, you know, my dad always did our motors for us. So, um, not that, I mean, he's very capable and he loves doing it. I just wanted to kind of take the burden off of his hands and just say, you know, we're busy enough. We've got two cars still and, and we, you know, we got a lot to do. So I just said, you know, I think it's time to just let Tommy do it and just be done with, you know, having to do that aspect of it. Is that a 305 combination then, the Malibu? Yep, 305. And what's the advertised and NHRA rated for that? Uh, it's, it's 180. Uh, now it's, it's now 232. We got two horsepower over the winter. Um, and it was actually the, the, um, the Cutlass that got two horsepower they they were uh 229 and we were 230 and then the cutlass went to 232 over the winter and we were still at 230 and then nhra said uh let's we're just gonna lump it all together and give everybody the two horsepower so now we're at 232 uh so same since it was the same engine family they just kind of put you yeah, and it's, 32 yeah yeah and it's all the g-body family too i guess i don't know if they go by that but 
So. All right. Well, I need just to get about 10 to 15 more and, and then yeah. I'll be set. <laughs> Let's talk about your win here at ZMAX. So, um, I mean, you guys got two qualifying hits on Friday. Yep. And I was watching all day and I, uh, just seeing how everybody was running. It didn't look like your two qualifying sessions on the tree went probably as you had hoped. So let's talk about that a little bit, how you kind of fixed it. Yeah. So, um, you know, I've never, uh, I've always just been a foot brake guy. I've never two stepped anything. Um, the car, we've been having some issues. The car hasn't been 60 footing real great lately. Uh, we changed converters before Epping. Um, it worked out, but it didn't pick us up as much as we kind of were hoping it would. Um, so I hooked up a two-step and I said, I want to at least try it. And, um, so for the first two, uh, qualifying passes at ZMAX, I was trying the two-step and I was just, I wasn't focusing. I, I think I was 87 the first time on the tree. And then the second time I was like 111. And I, I realized when on the second time trial, I'm, I'm still watching my tack and in, instead I should just be pressing the button and, and flooring it. And I, I was doing too much. So, um, I said, you know what, I'm going to, I said, I wanted to try it. The car did pick up, um, a couple on the 60 foot, but it wasn't worth it. I said, I don't want to experiment at a national event. So I just went back to foot braking, um, you know, and scratched the whole two step, but I'll, I'll try it again, but I need some practice time or a test and tune to try to dial it in. But, um, and then, you know, so after that, I was, uh, you know, a little more consistent or a little bit more normal, I would say. I mean, I'm, you know, I can't be double O teens or twenties if I want to be, but as long as I can hit the tree and be decent, I'm, I'm usually pretty happy with that. So. Well, first round you get paired up against, uh, this year's Las Vegas four wide national event winner, Connor Statler. Yeah. And I believe he's in a 69 Camaro. Um, can't remember what class I'm thinking a. A, B, or he was in, uh, I think it was a stock automatic. Yeah. And you, yeah. you really turned it around. You're 026 on the tree dial to 1204. You go 1204 with a zero picking up that right on the money award too. <laughs> I hope you had the sticker. Did you have the sticker on the car? I, yeah, I had it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's funny because I made that round and, and, uh, you know, my wind light came on and I knew he was going to be tough. Um, I knew he won the, uh, the Vegas national, um, I actually ran him at Atlanta also. I think it was first round there also when I had the wagon and, uh, at the national, um, I beat him there too. Uh, but I, you know, I wasn't trying to think about that. He's a good racer. Um, you know, I know he's, he's in with the Stanfields and, and, you know, he's got the support behind him. So, you know, I just wanted to be decent on the tree again. It was my first time, you know, just going back to the foot break. So I was kind of going in green and, uh, you know, I got my, uh, I, I rolled up to the time slip booth and, and the guys like looking my car all over real hard. And I'm like, you know, what's leaking, what's wrong. <laughs> you know, so I got like my tire fall off. Like what's going, what's he looking at? And so he hands me the slip and he says, all right, he goes, uh, you know, pull up to the scale. So I pull up to the scale and you know, they hand me my fuel thing. And they said, you got the decal. And I, I'm like, what decal? They said the right on decal. I go, you ran dead on with a zero. I said, kidding me. So, you know, I looked at it and I, you know, I was surprised that, I mean, um, you know, I think the next, uh, I think second round Corey Alexander ran dead on with a zero two. I think there's a couple of guys that did it. So, you know, I'm not really sure how it works, but I think either way, if we, if we got money coming to us, we're, 
we're splitting it up, which is good. I'm happy for everybody else that was able to do it too. I think it's just the first one to do it, right? Do you know how much money that you that that award pays? I, I, I thought it was a thousand dollars and it gets uh, from what I heard because really nobody's really sure, nobody's really sure and hopefully <laughs> clarify but I from what we understand it's like it's a thousand dollars unless there's a rollover or anything like that and um, it's everybody that does it so if if two guys do it then it, you get it gets split in the middle you each get five oh, man brutal. Yeah, so I, I think it's going to be split three ways because I think somebody in Supercom did it too, but I I don't even know. Really. Oh, you have to split with another class too. Well, anybody listening right now, they can comment if they know about this award or if they've won this award. Comment and let us know how this works. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> and I can't remember, Bobby, maybe you know, did did you get it at uh, at Reading or what, did somebody else get it at Reading? No, um, I, I think somebody got it. I didn't. Yeah. So, uh, okay. Um, I remember somebody getting it, and I was thinking, "Oh man, now it's too late for me. I can't, I can't get it." I just thought it was the first person. So I, uh, I do, to be honest with you, and, and you know, but I don't know. There, I've heard five different stories, so hopefully, somebody <laughs> out there can clarify. <laughs> There's no money at all. It's just a uh, yeah. advertisement ploy. <laughs> no. Yeah, now, right, right. Trailers looks like they're very, very present right now at national events. And uh, we always appreciate that. Anybody that's, you know, contributing to our classes at our races, uh, yeah. we appreciate and we, we welcome it. Yeah. Um, so thank you, Right Trailers. So from there, I mean, after taking that, that's probably a little confidence because you played possum, you know, 111 on the tree. I mean, Statler probably came into it thinking, all I got to do is be 40 or 50. And I got this guy. And then you mm -hmm. crank out a no 26 light on him. Yeah. So uh, now your strategy worked out perfectly. <laughs> The element of surprise, it worked, right? It was my only defense, and that's what I stuck with. <laughs> there you go. That was all planned. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So then you had uh, Greg Rowe, who also yep. won a national event this year, I think. Um, yeah, he won, he won Atlanta. And, he won Atlanta, yeah. And I went into that one, you know, same thing. I'm like, here we go. You know, it's another hitter. You know, Greg's a very good racer. Um, you know, he's been doing it a long time. He's He's always... You know, I, I joked with him. I said, I never know what you're driving these days because I looked at the at the qualifying sheet and every time I look, he's in somebody else's car. But, you know, he, you, you know, he's always going to be solid. And, and you know, I, I I tried to study a little bit. You know, I saw some of his lights and stuff. And I said, well, you know, he, you know, I said, just be green. You know what I mean? It's just I don't want to try to cut down the tree. And I and I, you know, I don't ever try to cut down the tree because I. To be honest with you, I, I don't, I get more disappointed if I go red than anything else, but I, I just try to be green and, um, but, uh, you know, I was, I was a tick better than him on the tree and, and it, it paid off. Excellent. Now at this race, I think it was the first time in a, in a maybe a little while at a national where they're running cars at night, sportsman cars at night. So they ran you guys two rounds Saturday morning, back to back pretty quickly. And then they run the pros, uh, I think, what, two sessions of the pros maybe for TV time? Uh, uh, one session Friday. One session. Well, that was Friday qualifying, but Saturday during eliminations, right? Two oh, rounds uh, in the morning. And yes, then, sorry, yep. then I think two rounds of pros. And then they came back to you guys at nighttime. Yep. So now that changes the whole element up. When I were racing at night, you know, yeah. people that are blocking the tree have to make the decision whether they're going to continue to do that at night. You know, visors up, visors down. Mm. Uh, does it help or hurt 
if you're a slow reactor, does that increase your, you know, give you a better reaction time? Does it make you go red? So how did you feel about having to race at night? Um, honestly, it, it doesn't bother me. I actually like racing at night. Um, you know, the, to me, the bulb is a lot bigger, so I have to kind of calm myself down because I think it, you know, I see it faster. So I, you know, I have gone red at night before, but, um, for me, the, the biggest thing I don't block, I don't do any of that stuff. I just, I wear sunglasses and at nighttime, obviously you can't wear sunglasses unless you really don't want to see, but that's the only thing I thought, you know, I knew that the, the bulb was going to look different than daytime sunglasses compared to nighttime, no glasses. Um, but I just, you know, again, I, I tried to, uh, just be green. That's all I wanted to do. Um, you know, in the back of my mind, I want to, you know, I, I try to hit the same spot, but again, you know, at night, it just seems like you're so close to it that it, it, it's just much bigger to me, but, um, you know, I got, got a little bit fortunate. I know, uh, I was talking with Corey Alexander before that round and, and he was, you know, a little bit worried, you know, he's, I'm either going to be red or, or very green. And, you know, he was kind of struggling on the tree and, you know, so I said, well, you know, same deal for, for both of us. I said, I just want to be green, you know, let's have a race at the top end and see what happens. And, um, so, you know, he was, I think he was one eleven on the tree or something like that. And it just, it gave me, you know, gave me room up at the top end. So. Right. And then Sunday rolls around and this is the thing with these national events. I mean, three different days, you could be seeing the tree great on Friday. You could be horrible on Saturday <laughs> and, you know, you could be great yeah. on like, or vice versa. Sunday yeah. rolls around and you were just knocking the tree down, you know? So what, what happened on Sunday? I mean, usually some guys can go into Sunday, maybe a little timid. Hey, I'm in the semifinal. I don't want to go red. And you know, they could be 50. And that was not the case with you. You had Larry Hill, who's basically a touring pro at this point. He yeah. basically hits every race on the tour. And, um, man, you came out firing 018 on the tree. And then your final round against Brad Plourd. I mean, this guy's won, what, he's been in 35 national event finals, or he has 35 wallies, I think they said. Yeah. Uh, what, what was your uh, strategy going into the final round against him? Um, well, uh, you know, against Larry, um, in the semifinals, I, I told myself, cause I, I went to the semifinal at Gainesville in the, uh, in the wagon. Can you, sorry yeah, about that. Mm -hmm. Uh, in the wagon. And, and I just said to myself, I, you know, when I was there, I, I knew I had Jimmy Hidalgo and I said, I gotta, you know, I know he's good on the tree. I just wanted to be a little bit better, you know, uh, on, on my end. And I ended up creeping through the beam. So I said, as long as I don't creep through the beams, just be green, you know, let's, let's make this one worth it. And, uh, so you know, it, it worked out against Larry. Um, and then against Brad, I mean, same thing. I, I just, I went up there and, and I saw the bulb really good uh, against Larry. So I, I tried to hit that same spot on the bulb against Brad and I took off. I was green. I looked at the scoreboard. He was green. And, you know, we, we came down and I'm like, man, I don't think he's going to get there. And, and, uh, you know, so I, I got on the brakes and it, it wasn't until I saw Amanda Busick at the top end that, that she goes, man, you, you know, you crushed down the tree. And I, I just, I, I didn't know what it was until I saw the time slip and it was 004. And I, <laughs> you know, I, I said, well, 
I, I guess the biggest thing I didn't want to look stupid in the final, you know, and I, and I guess that was, I, I achieved my goal. So it was, you know, I just, I couldn't even believe it. I'm still on cloud nine. Oh, believe me. I, I know the feeling now. I'm happy to say I know the feeling now. Yeah. So yeah. you got interviewed, you know, by Fox sports. Um, yeah. uh, I, I don't know if I didn't watch Fox sports coverage. I was watching the NHRA TV coverage. So I hope you made it to uh, their, their uh, TV coverage. That'd be awesome. Did they pull you up and interview in front of a crowd again? Did they do no, like a stage? No, they didn't do that actually this time, but um, you know, I just, I didn't even know where to, you know, they told this go up the right side of the track. So I went up, I followed Dan Fletcher, you know, and, and, uh, you know, he went up, so I just kind of followed his lead and we went into the, uh, stage of lanes and, and they, you know, where they were doing pictures and stuff. And so I said, you know, that was that. And, you know, we, that's a, that's a good lead to follow. I'm sure he knows exactly where to go. Yeah. I said to Dan, I said, man, you, you've done this 105 times now. I said, I can't even imagine what that must feel like. You know, it's, my first one and and i got it you know I've, every racer hopes they get one at least in their lifetime you know so i'm just uh, very humbled and and i you know i'm just very happy so did you be like dan do you got any notes like what should i or not say or not say like yeah <laughs> it's you know he, he dan is uh he's such a nice guy to talk to you know what i mean and and it was just nice to be there for my first and his 105th and and, uh, you know, it was just a pretty cool experience all around. Now you mentioned the, uh, the wagon that you had earlier. So mm -hmm. you purchased the wagon from Patrick Downing and ran it for a little while mm -hmm. and then you sold it, correct? Yes. Kind of. Um, you know, when that car came up for sale, we, we talked about it and I said, you know, that car is such a good deal. I can't believe nobody's bought that thing yet. It's a fast car. And, um, so, you know, sitting in the garage talking with my dad one night, I said, you know, we should just buy it. And I mean, I knew I wanted to go down South and I knew, not, uh, you know, my stuff wasn't going to be, um, ready. We were waiting for pistons and stuff for the, for the Malibu. So, so we bought it. We met, uh, Charlie Downing actually out in Pennsylvania and we picked it up, brought it home and, brought it down to Gainesville and, and, uh, we struggled the first at the, at the baby gators and kind of find out it was my own doing. I put an inline fuel filter in, uh, all new fuel lines and, and it didn't like the filter. It just wouldn't run. So we got rid of that and bypassed it. So, um, after that, the next race was the gators. We went to the semis there. Um, and then we went to, uh, you know, we ended up, um, at the semis at, uh, South Georgia divisional and, you know, it was just a really good car and we went to Atlanta with it. And, um, I happened to be behind Paul Candy's Candy's and Hughes team. And he came up to me and, and said, man, you know, my wife really likes this car and kind of joked. He said, she wanted me to, you know, see if you wanted to sell it at, at South Georgia. And he said, then you went to the, the semifinals. And he said, I, I pretty much, he probably doesn't want to sell it. And I kind of chuckled and said, you know, well, everything's for sale. And, you know, I didn't really need three cars. I just, you know, it was a good deal. And, uh, he came over later that night, looked it over and, and, uh, decided that, you know, they wanted the car. So I said, well, if I could run it for Charlotte, which was the following race, I said, I was already entered and had plans to fly home and, and everything else. So, uh, we did that. We ran Charlotte and then we left the car at Jimmy, Jimmy and Pam Marshall's house down in South Carolina and they picked it up from there. So. 
Wow. Now that, was that an identical? Back. Was that the same 305 uh, 180? Was that the same exact motor that's in your uh, Malibu? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a, you know, it was a good car. It just was consistent and, you know, it did everything that, you know, the 60 foots were always the same. I mean, it was just nice straight shooting car. And that worked out. That was a really yeah. good idea there. Really good plan. Yeah. Was yeah. He, now, rumor has it, you, you picked that car up in Pennsylvania in the winter. Was it uh, snowing? I heard it was snowing when you guys picked was, that car uh, up. That's yeah, what Billy Pyers told me. Yeah, we met him in Erie, Pennsylvania, and it was, I think, the coldest day of the year. And we did, you know, we kind of did the exchange as fast as we could and and went back. We ended up getting a hotel. We wanted to, you know, it was, I don't know, 10, 12 hours for us from there. So we just, we loaded up in my enclosed, spent the night, and then drove home the next day. If money was no object, what car would would you race? I mean, do you, do you want to stay with these low-class uh I shouldn't say low. I hate when people say low class, like they're like, they have no class, but um, yeah. these slower cars, I should say, because they're yeah. high class cars, in my opinion. Yeah. Classy uh, as classy can be. <laughs> That's right. Honestly, I wouldn't want to drive anything else other than what I have. I, I really like what I've got now. Um, you know, I, I guess it's really no secret. I like being chased. Um, I like a clean tree and uh you know, I don't, I'm not good at chasing. I found that out and, you know, I've had to chase a couple of slower cars and, uh, I guess once you get used to it, it might be better, but I'm, I'm not that good at it. So I'd like to, uh, you know, I like what I got. I've got another one, um, a super stalker that's at home that just got painted and, and that's going to be also a 305 super stock combo. So, um, that one, uh, hopefully we can test it before the, the snow flies, but we'll see if not, it'll be out next year. So it's going to be another 80 Malibu, a true super stock 305, like a super yeah. stock, what, K or J or? Yeah, it's actually, we got that one as an 81. It'll be a super stock L automatic, uh, or I can run a, um, a GTO automatic, uh, same, same weight break, same index. So it can kind of flip flop between the two. Cool, man. Well, that's the beauty of super stock. You can go back and forth, which we see a lot of people do and i don't know how nhra can keep up with it They're, you're in super stock this week you're in gt next week your car is a 87 camaro this week it's an 89 camaro next week it's just uh <laughs> yeah i mean when you got chevys you got options baby that's right <laughs> <laughs> a friend of ours used to say you know he was a chrysler guy and he always used to say all oh, you chevy guys you can get speed parts at walmart if you need to <laughs> <laughs> Every gas station has them hanging on the corner by the oil and antifreeze. And, oh, here's a set of pistons for That's a 305. Right, yeah. yeah, you can go to a shell station and get a set of head gaskets or something if you need it, you know, whatever. Tim, how was the uh, tech at Charlotte? I forgot to mention, um, because at Reading, well, at Indy, they sealed my carburetor up right after Q1, and they were tearing people down, as they do at Indy, which, which was mm -hmm. expected. So that was cool. But at Reading, I got um, pulled off the scale third second or third round of stock they pulled me off the scale and um popped my hood he had a uh, voltmeter in his hand he went straight to my battery up in the front and checked it and it came you know it had it was a 12 volt battery so they saw the the 12 and a half volts yep. and he said all right you're good go ahead and super stock they pulled me off the scale uh third or fourth round and just popped the hood and they were just looking i don't know what they were looking for 
and he just kind of was peeking around looking at stuff he still saw the the paint on there from indy uh on the carburetor and um he said all right you're good go ahead so they were doing spot checks and i like that were they doing anything like that in charlotte so the only tech that i really saw obviously was your your typical fuel check uh which i actually failed um i actually got dq'd after the first uh time shot um they didn't like the fuel, which was the same fuel I was running at Maple Grove the week before. All we did was drive down to Charlotte and, uh, you know, we run C11 and it just didn't pass. Um, I tried it twice and, you know, so I went back and, and grabbed the new jug that I have and I brought it up to them and it checked and it checked perfect. So um, other than that, I, I don't know, um, you know, other than, you know, weights and and other than that but i i didn't hear of any kind of uh actual tear down tech or or anybody really getting looked at for anything all right yeah uh real quick though that c11 um have you seen any performance differences have you tried any other fuels besides that like have you tried c12 have you tried sunoco yep i have tried c12 um we, you know i run vp oh uh for one nobody in my area even sells sunoco um, and, uh, Steve Coltrera, who, who is the, uh, Eastern VP fuel sales. Um, he lives 20 minutes from my house. So we just, I get everything from him and, and, but, um, but we have, you know, Tommy, uh, Boucher has dynoed and, and he said that C11 does make, you know, more horsepower. So I just use it assuming that it's making more power. <laughs> I know, I know the C12 is, is a little bit, uh, you know, a dollar or so, you know, less a gallon, but, uh, we just, we've run C11 for so long. We've just, we stick with it. This is, and honestly, this is the first time I think that I've ever not passed fuel check. And I, and I just came from another national event where it was fine. So I don't know what happened in the couple of days, but you know, obviously that, you know, they just didn't like it. It could have been the, the measuring tool. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. That, that's my fear, though, is not being able to get the VP at the track because Sunoco's there. VP's not allowed to be. And that's why I I had switched to Sunoco a couple of years back because I just wanted easy access. Mm -hmm. um, but now I just recently switched to VP before I went out to Indy, and I'm, you know, I'm sticking with that. Yeah. I haven't noticed much gain yet the car has been consistent with it and I, I did pick up a little bit of mile an hour to the eighth mile i guess i could say that um so I, I need to experiment though timing and and jetting and things like that and i haven't really had a chance to but yeah. uh tim we thank you very much for spending your time with us we know you're in line there at virginia motorsports park for the mm -hmm. division one double this weekend yep. um again for me that's going to be a game day decision if i can get down there and i hope to see you if i do get down there and um we wish you luck down there uh in a points hunt possibly yeah i know we still have to finish um so me and todd bednas still have to finish the final from the epping divisional here um so i know he's coming neither one of us have, we're gonna go to maple grove for the for the divisional and uh you know, I didn't even realize they would finish a divisional race at a national event when they finished Greg Gay and Lincoln Moorhead's final. So, um, but we had decided that, you know, we were both going to go to Virginia after Epping. So hopefully we can, you know, maybe come home with two Wallies, but uh, even, even if we don't, we'll be happy for Todd also. So uh, Todd's a good friend of ours. And um, so it, it should be another exciting weekend and 
hopefully you can make it down and, and, uh, you know, we'd love to see you and your dad again, obviously. And, um, you know, looks like it's going to be a, a, maybe a little bit of rain tomorrow, but other than that, the weekend looks pretty good. So. All right. Well, best of luck. Don't run out of room in that truck with all those wallets. If you start winning all of them, <laughs> I, I got the bed too. I can open that up. So we'll be okay. <laughs> so, all right. No, Tim Stickles. You. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you having me on and, and, uh, just real quick, I want to just thank my wife, Cassandra, and my daughter, Faye. I mean, they're, you know, my biggest fans. So um, I miss them. They're actually driving down here tomorrow to hang out for the weekend. So uh, should be should, should be a good time. Oh, that's the best. The family's coming down. It doesn't yep. get much better than that. I love when the, when the family can be at the races uh, yep. with me. Absolutely. So we, we wish you luck this weekend. Thank you for coming on. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, have a, have a safe trip back to New Hampshire uh, after the, the weekend's over. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. This is Class Racing Today. Thank you for hanging out with us. Thanks, Tim, for taking time in your truck. Uh, also, the technical difficulties were cleared up, so it was great. Uh, Bobby and Brian, any last thoughts you have before we carry on out of here? All right. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Thank you, guys. ClassRacingToday.com. If you want to help support the show, ClassRacingToday.gmail.com. If you want a sticker, a T-shirt, send us a note there as well. Check us out on the social medias at ClassRacingToday. Hope to see you next week. Have a great time. Catch you later.